Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19, the word of God says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, and hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast, defi thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of them that behold thee. Verse 19. And they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this amazing portion of Scripture that gives us insight into eternity past. And help us as we look at this doctrine today, this piece of truth that everyone needs to know. Would you not just inform us of information, but give us transformation. Mold us and shape us further into thine image and help us understand sin and its origin so that we can live righteous and holy before thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This fascinating portion of scripture uh, talks about uh, Satan and really gives us insight into the origin of sin. Where did sin come from? How did sin begin? Uh, amazing truth. And today I just want to preach a, a simple message entitled, The Origin of Sin. You know, we live in a sinful world full of sinners. How many of you know that? Say, I. I. We live in a sinful world full of sinners. How many of you have ever been sinned against? <laughs> yeah, hurts, doesn't it? How many of you have ever sinned? Dad, raise both hands. That's all right. Death, yeah. And your foot. No, no, I'm kidding. No, no I'm kidding. Uh, you know, the truth is we're all sinners. We sin and we've been sinned against. We're, we live in a sinful world full of sinners. We've all felt the pain and suffering caused by sin. But let me ask you a question. Where did sin come from? And some of you would say, well, the Garden of Eden. Now, wait a minute, that wasn't the first sin. It was the first time man sinned, but the Garden of Eden was not the origin of sin. That's not where sin began in the universe. Uh, and this first sin led to all the pain and suffering that we know today. So I want to take some time this morning and do a Bible study uh, on the origin of sin. Now, in Exodus chapter 28, is God is lamenting against the king of Tyre. 
Uh, he's a, a king and a wicked king, and God was talking about how he was going to destroy him. But as God is pronouncing judgment upon the king of Tyre, God begins to recall the first sin. The first sin that happened with the one who we would call the devil, but that was not his name in the beginning. And so I want to just go line upon line through the scriptures and show you some truths. I think this will equip us not just to know more about sin, but to, to help us protect ourselves from sin in our own lives. Amen? And so let me say, number one, the fact of sin. Now, we've spent some time on this recently, and really every sermon we talk, we have to talk about sin, the sinful condition of mankind. We've spent some time in the evening services talking about what is sin. We gave you the four biblical definitions of sin, and you can go online and listen to that. Uh, we've talked about sin several times. So the fact of sin, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but all the bad in the world today is the result of sin. Everything bad that happens. Every pain, every sorrow, every suffering is the result of sin. Now, God created a perfect universe. That's what we find in Revelation, or excuse me, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God created a perfect universe, but then His creation corrupted it. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that even the earth itself groans waiting for the redemption that's going to come through Christ. And we see in the book of Revelation that one of these days God will let this a universe burn away and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? And so sin has corrupted the world. We, we've established that everyone is a sinner, but let's go back and see how, how did sin infect the human race. And look at Romans chapter 5. This is a verse that everyone should memorize. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and look at verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Now, what was his name? What was the one man's name? Adam. Uh, so, by Adam, sin entered into the world. Now, he's talking about into mankind, and he goes on to talk about that. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So we are, birth, we are sinners by birth, we've been contaminated by sin by birth, and we are sinners by choice. We choose to sin. You say, well, if I was Adam, that rascal Adam, I can't believe he did that. Uh, he, he's, he sinned. He, all this mess is his fault. Now, wait a minute. If you'd been in his place, you probably would have done the same thing. Because we're sinners by choice. We're sinners by birth, and we're sinners by choice. And let me just warn you, Christian friend, you are capable of any sin in the universe. You say, oh, I'd never do that. No, you're just not far enough down that road yet. You make concession after concession. You, make, you give in little by little. Next thing you know, the sins get bigger and bigger. I can't tell you how many people over the years have sat in my office or looked in my face or sat on the phone. I can't believe I did this. I never thought I would do something like this. Well, that's a sin nature, friend. If you let it run, it's going to run. And the old saying is, you give the devil an inch and he'll become your ruler. And so we, we must understand that sin is a fact. One of the preachers said this week, and I thought it was a good statement. He said, the chains of sin are too light to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. Isn't that the truth? We say, oh, I can handle this. 
I got it under control until you try to stop. And then you find out, no, it's got control of you. And so sin is pervasive. It's everywhere. Everyone in the human race is sin. We could go back to Genesis chapter 3, verses 6 and 7, and see that whenever uh, Eve listened to the devil and she believed the devil's lies over God's truth and she partook of that forgiven, for, forbidden fruit, and then she gave unto her husband. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived, but Adam chose to sin with his wife rather than do right alone. And that's still a ch- tough choice today, isn't it? Hey, don't let peer pressure force you to sin. Uh, don't let the crowd get you to do what you know is wrong. It always brings destruction. It's better to live as a lonely Christian than to live surrounded by sinners and wickedness. Because you know what happens when you run out of money and you can't do anything for those sinners anymore? They're gone. Ask the prodigal. After everything was spent, after he couldn't do anything for him anymore, he's alone eating pig's food. How many people today, their lives have been destroyed. Sin and Satan has stripped everything good from them. And they're alone and miserable. Uh, Boy, don't let that be your fate. Amen. So we see the sin in the garden, but sin did not begin in the Garden of Eden. Sin began in the heart of one of God's most trusted servants. So we see number one, the first sin. Let's look at number two, the father of sin. The father of sin. The Bible teaches us that the devil is the father of sin. And let me just say Satan is a real person. Satan is not an idea. He's not an impersonal force. There's a lot of Christian scholars out there or false preachers that will say, well, Satan is more of an idea. Satan is the personification of evil. No, he is a person. He is a created being that chose to rebel against God. And as you study the Bible, he has all the elements of a person. He has will, he has emotion, he has a purpose, he had a created time, he's got an appointed end, he is a created being. Think about Billy Sunday. They asked Billy Sunday, how do you know the devil's real? And the Old evangelist from the early 1900 answered, I know that Satan's real for two reasons. Number one, the Bible says he's real. And number two, I've done business with him. And I think every Christian, if you're honest with yourself and you've got discernment, you know Satan's real for two reasons. First, the Bible says he's there. But secondly, we've done business with him. Satan is a corrupted being. Created by God, who corrupted himself to become the very face of evil. Jesus told us in John chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil is the father of lies. The devil was the first sinner. He brought sin into this world and he convinced Eve to sin. Now, the first sin among mankind was Adam and Eve, but the first sin in the universe 
was committed by the devil. Now, the devil has many names in the Bible. Uh, think about some of the names of, of this evil being. The most common name for the devil in the Bible is, is the term Satan. Satan. Satan is a word that means slanderer. He's got nothing good to say about anybody. This name is used 52 times in the Bible, and it's, it's appropriate because Satan accuses God to man, and he accuses man to God. Satan comes to you and tells you all kinds of bad things about God. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care about you. If he did, why did he let that happen? If, if God loved you, why did he let that happen? Why didn't he answer that prayer? Why doesn't he take care of this in your life? He accuses God to you. He's got nothing good to say about God. But wait, he accuses man to God. Revelation calls him the accuser of the brethren. You see what Paul Chapman did down there? Do you see what Lee Beatty did? Do you see what Eric Vukic did? Yeah, we all saw it. No, I'm kidding. And do you, see what, do you see what they're doing down there? They deserve hell. But thank God we have the intercessory prayers of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven ever interceding for us, protecting the salvation that he bought for us. Another common word for this Satan is the word devil. The word means adversary, and he is the enemy of God and of man. Another word is Leviathan, Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1. This means the one who dwells in the sea of humanity. Satan was cast out of heaven. Now Job tells us that he gets called every once in a while. He has to come and give an account to God, and that must just make him so upset that every once in a while God will call Satan and say, tell me what you've been doing. You know, we're all accountable to somebody, amen? We're all accountable to God. But Satan has been banished here to this world. A lot we could say about that. Another common name is Apollyon. We find in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11, this word means destroyer. Satan destroys what God creates. Another word found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24 is the name Beelzebub. And this means the prince of devils or the prince of demons. Satan leads the one third of the angels who rebelled against God with him. He leads them trying to attack God and everything that God loves. Another name for the devil we find is Belial. This word means vile and ruthless, and these describe his character. Satan is wicked, he's vile, he's irredeemable, there's no good in him, and he is absolutely ruthless. He kills with no remorse, he destroys with glee. This is the devil. This is our adversary. There are other names we could look at. But that's not the first name the devil had. The first name that the devil ever had was the name Lucifer. Now to us, that has a terrible connotation, Lucifer. But in the beginning, it was a good word. The word Lucifer means shining one or light bearer. He was created to be a lighthouse of God's goodness and power. 
and yet he was corrupted into becoming the devil. Satan was a beautiful angel serving God until sin was found in him. Now let's look back at Ezekiel chapter 28. We talked about the fact of sin. We're speaking now about the father of sin. The devil started as an angel named Lucifer. God recounts the fall of Lucifer as he discusses the destruction, the coming destruction of the king of Tyre. Apparently, this king kind of reminded him of the devil in everything that he had been given and how he corrupted it. Now, let's look at these passages in Ezekiel to learn more about the beginning of sin and the origin story of Lucifer. Ezekiel chapter 28 Look at verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God. So he's going he's to tell the king of Tyrus how he reminded him of Satan. Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. We believe this means that Lucifer was the sum total of God's creative power. He was God's finest creation. Now, never forget that God was not created. He's the uncreated one. Jesus Christ was not created. He's the eternal Son of God. Uh, there is so much difference in power and glory between the, the highest of God's creation and the Creator that we don't have words to describe the difference. But when it comes to God's creative power, I mean, look at our universe. Look, look at the expanse of space. Look, look at down to the very atoms that the world is comprised of. Walk outside and see the glory of the sun and the sky and the trees and the grass. And we say, wow, what a creator. But Lucifer was the sum total of God's creative power. Other than God himself, the most beautiful being in all of God's creation. The Bible also says he was wise. Other than God himself, he was the wisest of God's creation. He was full of wisdom and perfectly beautiful in appearance. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. And he goes through and lists these beautiful stones. And imagine the most precious jewelry you've ever seen. Imagine the different colors and shapes and sizes and how the, the light uh, makes those jewels sparkle and come alive. If you were to look at, at Lucifer before the fall, wow, what a beautiful creature! His appearance was compared to the most beautiful and precious jewels on earth. Look on at the end of verse 13. The workmanship of thy tabrets, that's a musical instrument, and of thy pipes, musical instrument, was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. His body was likened unto musical instruments. Lucifer was created to praise God with music. 
Many conjecture that Lucifer was the song leader in heaven. His body was a musical instrument, which, by the way, before you say, well, that sounds weird. Do you know that in many ways, your body is a musical instrument? We have been created. The fact that we can use our diaphragm and our lungs and the vocal cords to shape and and the mouth to shape sounds and to change octaves, we are created as musical instruments made to give praise and honor to God. And Satan was not only beautiful, he was not only wise, but he was created to glorify God and to bring music. And as the song leader of heaven, is that any wonder that when Satan was perverted and corrupted himself, that one of the first things he did on earth was corrupt music. Music is one of the most powerful things in our experience that can either draw us close to God or pull us away from Him. That's why it's so important that the music we listen to draws us to God. And much of the world's music today preaches lust and rebellion and fornication and adultery and you know the old slogan of the old rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and a lot of the every every genre of music has its different sins that it likes to promote how much music out there preaches and and speaks about going against authority. And even for generations, some genres of music like rap and hip-hop have talked about fighting against the police and and, and all of these things. And and all of it has elements of of sin such as fornication and adultery and rebellion that just go through it all. Some music pulls you close to God and some music pulls you away. It's no wonder that Satan knew how to pervert music to draw people away from God into sin when he was created to use music to pull people close to God. You learning about the devil today? Look at Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. The Bible says he's the anointed cherub that covereth. Now the word anointed there not only has the idea of of set, but it has the idea of of, uh, expanse or outstretched wings. If you remember the Ark of the Covenant had two angels on top with outstretched wings going over the mercy seat, protecting the mercy seat. Uh, The cherub is a special angel that protects and proclaims the holiness of God. Hold your place here and look at Revelation chapter 4. So there are different angels in heaven. We have some are just called angels. Some are called seraphim. Some are called cherubim. And, and in, among the angels, we see a hierarchy of angels. Of course, God does everything decently and in order. There are some angels called archangels that would be like the generals, or the leaders over the, the armies. We see, by the way, Satan corrupts and perverts everything God does. The Bible says that the prince of the power of the air, he has an organization set up among his uh, devils and his demons. And so uh, Satan just copies everything God does. By the way, does it a lot worse and corrupts it and perverts it. But Satan's not a creator, he's a destroyer. Our God is a creator. Now what takes more power and wisdom, creation or destruction? Creation. It's a lot harder to build a house and tear it down, isn't it? 
And so we see Satan trying to be like God once again, mimicking God. Satan has an unholy trinity, we find in the Bible. Satan wants to be known as an angel of light. So many ways, Satan... Greatest desire, his greatest desire is to be God, but he becomes just a terrible copy, a perversion of everything God is. But he began as a cherub. Uh, Look at Revelation chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. It takes us into the throne room of heaven, and before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne there were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast had a face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and the rest they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. Now, we won't have time to get into this too much, but Ezekiel talks a lot about cherubim too. They had a four-sided head, and on each side was a different face. Uh, the, the, the faces mentioned here uh, represent what Jesus Christ accomplished in the uh, Gospels. And so we see uh, the four faces. The One was a beast of a lion, and in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus as king. The second was a beast like a calf. And in the book of Mark, we see Jesus as a servant. The the third had the beast of a man. In the book of Luke, Jesus is the son of man. And the fourth had the the face of an eagle. And in John, we see Jesus as the son of God. And that's pictured as the eagle. And so these cherubims, they they protected the throne of God. They, They call out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And they are the proclaimers and the protectors of God's holiness, also representing the gospel story and the work of Jesus Christ. Lucifer was a cherub. Of all the angels, the Bible speaks of cherubs as having the closest proximity to the throne. Many people believe that Lucifer was the top angel out of all the angels. He was the anointed cherub that covereth. The word covering is like a protection. And he was, and then the Bible says, I have set thee so. He had that position, not because any goodness of himself, but because God created him and God set him in that place. But Lucifer forgot that God put him there. Lucifer became enamored with how wonderfully God made him. He began to realize how beautiful he was and how wise he was. And he began to say to himself, I could be God. Lucifer was the highest Of the ranked angels, Lucifer had great freedom and responsibility until iniquity was found in him. He was lifted up by the pride and the multitude of God's gifts. His beauty made him blind. His wisdom was corrupted by pride. He ceased to be grateful and forgot his creator. And he wanted to be in charge. 
Does this sound like anyone else you know? See, when Jesus told the Pharisees, ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do, sinful man has more in common with the devil than we would like to admit. The same sin that was found in him perpetuated in every life unless that life submits to the cross believes in Jesus Christ and begins following God again. God judged Lucifer harshly. He was stripped of his rank and banished from his home. He was cast to the earth and condemned to a future eternity in hell. What a tragic story. Look back at Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 15, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. See, sometimes people say, well, if God's so good, why did he create the devil? Well, God created the devil perfectly. But Lucifer chose to rebel. See, what we find here is that apparently the angels were created with free will as well. They could choose whether or not to follow God. And not only did Lucifer rebel, but Lucifer, and this shows the deceitful power of Satan, which, by the way, is his superpower. Of all the the things that Satan can do, his greatest gift is he is a magnificent liar. He can convince people to do about anything, and as a good liar does, he makes you feel like it's your idea. See, the best liars don't make you do anything against your will. They twist your will to do what they want. It's manipulation. And Satan's superpower is lying. He deceived one-third of God's angels. I mean, these are angels that saw God every day. They lived in His glory. They understood His perfection. And you and I have to understand that Satan is a real enemy and he will destroy us. He's that roaring lion. He will destroy us if we let him. Our only hope is to baptize ourselves in the truth of the word of God and to seek God daily. And God will protect us. But when we get away from God, just as the lion hunts the stray prey, When you and I stray away from God, we become accessible to the wiles of the devil. He goes on to say in verse 16, By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence. All the violence we see in our world today is because of sin and Satan. Satan loves violence. God hates violence. God wants peace. He will judge sin. But he hates violence. He goes on to say, And thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. See, Lucifer forgot that he was accountable to God, and God as his creator could more than overcome Lucifer. 
He goes on to say in verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy what? Because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thyself, thy wisdom, by reason of thy brightness or glory. And God says, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. One of these days, the scripture says that we're going to see a defeated Satan prostrate before God Almighty. What a tragic story. God gave Lucifer everything, didn't he? Beauty, wisdom, purpose, provision, and more were all bestowed upon Lucifer, yet pride corrupted him as he rebelled against God. And if you and I aren't careful, a similar story will play out in your life. You see, look, look what I've done. Look who I am. Look what I'm capable of. See my beauty and my glory, mankind says, as they forget their creator. And the fact that without God, they would have nothing. They would be nothing. They wouldn't even exist. God protect us from such foolishness. We've seen the fact of sin, the father of sin. Let me show you the first sin. Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14 goes into even more detail about specifically the pride that infected Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14. And look at verse 12. If you're there, say amen. Let's read this verse together. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Ready? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? And see, we have here the name Lucifer. And God is lamenting about how Lucifer fell. Once again, he's talking about the coming destruction of Babylon and the king of Babylon. And this king and this, this situation reminds him again of Lucifer and God begins to lament. You see the exclamation point. It's almost like God said, Lucifer, I, I remember your fall. I, I, I knew that you were going to do this. I, I still can't believe that you did, though. You know, it's, it's like sometimes God knows what's going to happen, but he still laments it. It's almost like when you know somebody's going to do something wrong, but there's still a part of you that hopes it's not true. There's still a part of you that is surprised when it happens. I mean, you knew it was going to happen, but there's still a part of you that's like, man, Things could have been different. I think God here, looking down through eternity, said how, how things could have been different. This verse is a lamentation by God. Even though God knew Lucifer would betray him, he still laments the fact that it happened. What lost potential, what pain and suffering has been caused. We're reminded this morning that sin destroys everything it touches. Not just the big sins, the little sins. We've got to be careful that we're not hiding sin in our heart. We're not protecting sin. The Bible says if you regard iniquity in your heart, the Lord will not hear you. And that word regard means to protect it. I know it's there. I know it's a sin, but I'm going to keep it. 
It's not a bi- and we tell ourselves it's not a big deal. I mean, it's not a big sin. It's not like I'm out doing this or this or that or this. I'm not as bad as those people over there. But we hide this sin in our heart. And boy, sin grows, doesn't it? And sin ruined Lucifer, and it will ruin you if you let it. We find here pride was the first sin ever committed. Lucifer was lifted up in his own heart and mind. He began to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And he began to despise God. See, don't miss this fact that when you begin to lift yourself up, you also begin to lower the things that should be lifted up. When we lift ourselves up, we begin to despise God. How many people try to make themselves feel better by pulling the people around them down? That's a satanic tendency. Pride corrupts our thinking. In Isaiah 14, we see the five I wills of Satan. This wicked pride was manifested in five sinful statements that Lucifer made. And let's look at him in verses 13 and 14. First of all, he says, For thou hast said in thine heart, by the way, you say these things in your heart long before you say them with your mouth. Amen? Backsliding starts in the heart, not on the outside. Do you ever see somebody that looks like they're doing okay, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's like their life totally changes. And whoa, where'd that come from? Oh, it was in their heart a long time before you ever saw it on the outside. That's why we, as God's people, are commanded to keep our heart clean. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We've got to keep our heart clean. Give me thine heart, God says. And so here in the heart, look at these five statements. He said, for thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Now here he says, I will ascend. I will lift myself up. I'm not happy with the position that you gave me, God. I want to be higher. No, that's a dangerous place to be, isn't it? I want to be more. And if I have to run over everybody in my life to get there, I'll do it. If I have to destroy you to get where I want to be, so be it. How many people in life live that way? It's a devilish tendency. And the heaven here is speaking of the third heaven. The Bible talks about three heavens. The first heaven is our sky and our atmosphere. The second heaven is the stars and the space. The third heaven is the very abode of God. And here Lucifer determines to rise up to the third heaven, to the abode of God. He wanted to storm the, storm the throne room and take over in a coup. Look at the second I will. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. See, I will exalt. Again, I want to be lifted up. And he talks about my throne. He's not talking, he's not thinking about God's throne. He said, I want more authority. I want more power. And the stars of God are probably speaking of the angels. He wanted to be in control of the angels. He wanted the power and authority. He wanted to receive the worship of the angels. He wanted songs sung about him. He wanted to be number one. And let me warn you, Christian friend, anytime you demand to be number one, it's pride. And it'll hurt you and people around you. 
Look at the next phrase. I will sit. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. So here he says the mount and the Bible speaks of the sides of the north. This is speaking of like God's executive office. Lucifer wanted to make the decisions. He wanted to be the decision maker. He wanted to be in control. He wanted to be God. And then lastly, or look at the next one, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Again, we see the second time he decides to rise up. He coveted the highest place possible, but that seat was already taken by God. And so there's only one thing to do. We've got to get rid of God. And the last I will, he says, I will be like the Most High. And the true motivation of Lucifer is finally revealed in this statement. He wanted to be God. His lust for power and glory knows no bounds. He will do anything to accomplish his goal. Now, it's interesting. There's a lot of words for God that Lucifer could have used here. He could have used, I want to be like Jehovah. I want to be like Elohim. There's a lot of names for God in the Bible that are very instructive. Good for you to know what the names mean. But he chose here the name El Elyon, which means God the highest or God the strongest one. See, Lucifer did not want to be a God. He didn't want to share the throne. He wanted to be stronger than the strongest one. He wanted to be higher than the highest. He wanted to dethrone God and become the sole ruler of the universe. Satan wanted God's power but had no desire to fulfill the other responsibilities of God. It's a sad fact that people who are desperate for power don't have the wisdom or or morals to use it properly. Think about that when you vote this fall. You see people right now, they're desperate for power. They will lie, steal, cheat, do anything they can to gain more power. But the people who are desperate for power don't have the wisdom or morals to use it properly. You better hope that some of these politicians never get in charge. Pride is the mother's sin. From pride, all the other sins are born. You can name any sin that comes into your mind right now, and you can do two things with it. First, you can recognize an element of pride in it. Every sin has elements of pride. It has the DNA of its mother. And then you can trace that sin back to selfish motivations. Because pride is the mother of all sin. You think that's one reason why God hates pride? You think that's one reason why God so desperately tells us in our lives, don't get proud, don't get proud, don't get proud. Humble yourself, the Bible says. First Peter chapter 5, verses uh, 7 and 8, excuse me, 5 and 6 say, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. As telling that God reminds us to humble ourselves. Here's a universal truth. 
Either you will humble yourself or God will do it for you. And trust me, dear friend, you don't want God to do it. You don't want God to do it. So much better just to humble yourself. Amen? Then lastly, we see the finish of sin. Look at first, or excuse me, Isaiah chapter 14 as we finish up. Isaiah chapter 14. We find the I wills of Lucifer here in verses 13 and 14, but God pronounces judgment in verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to where? Hell. To the sides of the pit. These Satan's eternal abode will be in the lake of fire. He will be tormented forever, day and night. Forever. Then he goes on to say, remember how badly he wanted glory? Look at verse 16. They that see thee shall sing praises to thy name. Oh, that's not what it says. You know, when you rebel against God, God takes from you what you want and gives you exactly what you fear. And he says about Satan, verse 16, They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee. And consider thee saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of prisoners? No, Satan, you're not going to get glory. You're going to be despised for all eternity. See, this is the finish of sin. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Satan, his future is set. It's a penalty in hell, tormented forever. But here's a sad fact that every person in the world needs to know. When people chose to follow Satan, the penalty of Satan, the penalty for the rebellion of, of Satan, the sin of Satan, is now passed upon all of his followers. That's why mankind, sinners, if we don't trust Jesus, we go to the same hell the devil goes to. Don't believe the comics that tell you Satan's down in, in hell with fire around him, sitting at a desk drinking beer. Satan doesn't live in hell. He's going to be tormented in hell. It's his eternal punishment. But Jesus told us that those who reject Christ will go to hell too. Look at Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Say the next phrase with me. Prepared for the devil and his angels. Now watch me. People say, why would God send mankind to hell? And my answer is, hell wasn't made for you. God did not create hell for you. He created hell as a punishment for Lucifer and his angels. But when Adam and Eve chose to follow Satan into sin, they chose the same penalty. 
And sin has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So those under the sound of my voice today who are not saved, you're not born again. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Your penalty for rebellion and sinfulness is the same as Lucifer is the very father of sin. The good news is God doesn't want you to go to hell. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay for your sin. So you could go to heaven. If you're saved here this morning, trust Jesus. Thank God that you trust Jesus. Thank Him that you're saved. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. Trust Jesus. Confess your sin. Accept Him as your Savior. I hope knowing all this is more than just information, but we can see not just how sin originated, but we can see that the sinful tendencies in us are the same that caused all the mess in the first place. Pride, rebellion, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. And the greatest form of Satanism in the world today is not drawing a pentagram on the floor and cutting off a chicken's head and spraying blood everywhere. The greatest form of Satanism, the most pure form of Satanism, is looking to God in heaven and saying, I will, I will, I will. I don't care what you want. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done for me. I will do what I want. And that is Satanism in its most pure form. And that attitude is the source of all human suffering. God help us, protect us from it. Amen. Let's bow. Father, thank you for the time we're able to spend this morning. Pray that you would speak to hearts, help us to humble ourselves. Lord, help us not to have that demonic, that devilish attitude of I will. I don't care what God wants. I don't care what God says. Oh, Father, help us to know the truth and that the truth would set us free. Deliver us from that foolishness. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart, would you take a moment? What does God want for you? What does God want you to do? Have you had any of this sin of pride creeping up in your life? Have you taken on that demonic attitude of I will? I don't care who says it. I don't care what anybody wants. I'm going to do it my way. I want to be first. I want to be the highest. I want to be the best. Oh, God, help us. Put God first. And let him order your steps and your path. You'll be happy you did. The piano is going to play.